believe this. God loved the world. God loves the world. We are beloved. Come in friendship to God, to each other, and in friendship to the world. Friends of God, let us worship. long to draw close to God, to follow the teachings of Jesus, to love our neighbors as ourselves, and yet we fall short. 
We do the things that push us further away from God, further from our neighbor. And so let us pray for healing and transformation using the prayer of confession in our bulletins. We talk about love, but our actions betray us. We talk about love, but we neglect the poor. We talk about love, but we fail to love one another. Lord, have mercy on us. Forgive us and abide in us by the power of your Spirit, so that our lives may show our love for Jesus Christ, in whose body we live and in whose name we pray. Amen. God has called us God's own people. Jesus has called us friends and disciples. The Holy Spirit intercedes for us on our behalf. For all these reasons and more, friends, believe the good news. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. As we prepare our hearts to share a sign of Christ's peace with each other, I invite those of you worshiping with us online to take this time to sign the digital pew pads. And you can do that by clicking on the, scanning the QR codes on your screen or clicking on the link that you'll find below the live stream. Friends, the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. And also with you. Let us share a sign of Christ's peace. Amen. Well, welcome to worship here at Fourth Presbyterian Church. In addition to worship, there are many ways to get involved in the life and ministry of this church. And as I lift up a few highlights, I invite those of you here in the sanctuary to find the pew pads in your row to sign those and pass them down so that we can also know that you are here with us. Pastor Shannon is away this weekend at her annual retreat with her preaching group. Her last Sunday leading us in worship will be Sunday, May 28th, when we hope that you will join us for a time of celebrating her ministry among us. Following the 10 o'clock service on that day, May 28th, we will hold a congregational meeting for the purpose of officially, formally, dissolving our pastoral relationship between Shannon and Fourth Church. Immediately after that, we will gather together in Anderson Hall and the Commons for a reception to express our gratitude and well wishes to Shannon and her family. We will also be giving Shannon a memory box of messages and notes, and we encourage you to contribute your messages to Shannon and uh, your favorite memories of her here at her time at Fourth Church. 
and details for contributing to the memory box are printed in your bulletins. In the bulletin, you can also read about Session's decision to hire an intentional interim pastor. This pastor will not be our next lead pastor, but rather will guide us during the year or more that it will take us in our search for our next called and installed pastor. An interim pastor nominating committee will begin work identifying candidates for that interim role. And we will continue to share details about the transition season as they continue to take shape. So if you're not yet subscribed to our e-newsletter, e we encourage you to sign up for that so you don't miss out on the latest updates. Details for subscribing are also in your worship bulletin. I tell you, there's so much good information in the back of that bulletin. More than 120 of you took part in the deep listening dinners that happened in January, February, and March this year. And whether or not you participated in those, your next opportunity to participate will be this approaching Friday, May 5th. Cornerstones, which is the fellowship group for those over 50, is hosting a purposely intergenerational dinner and that will take place here at the church at 5.30. Now this dinner will use the deep listening dinner model and it will differ from the usual monthly cornerstone gatherings. And this is an experiment. We hope that you'll join us. While there is no cost, we do need you to register for that dinner um, by Tuesday so that we can save you a seat, but also order enough food for all of you. Details for registration are, guess where, in your bulletins. So after today's service, as usual, there will be deacons available to pray with you in Stone Chapel, and there will be coffee hour and the Connection Corner in Anderson Hall through the doors to your left. So friends, let us continue now in our worship.
Let us pray. Living God, we, with joy we celebrate the presence of your risen word. Enliven our hearts by your Holy Spirit so that we may proclaim the good news of eternal and abundant life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. Our scripture reading this morning is from Isaiah, chapter 61, verses 1 through 7. Listen now for God's word to us. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort those who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit. They will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, to display his glory. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. Strangers shall stand and feed your flocks. Foreigners shall till your land and dress your vines. But you shall be called priests of the Lord. You shall be named ministers of our God. You shall enjoy the wealth of the nations, and in their riches you will glory. Because their shame was double, and dishonor was proclaimed as their lot, therefore they shall possess a double portion. Everlasting joy shall be theirs. The word of the Lord. Our gospel lesson for today comes from John's gospel, chapter three, beginning at the first verse. Listen for God's word to you this day. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do set apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. And Nicodemus said to him, how can anyone be born having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one 
can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. What is born of flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I say to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. And Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? And Jesus answered him, are you a teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak what we know and testify to what we have seen. Yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We continue our series on the Apostles' Creed that launched in late February. Can we believe how much territory of our faith could be embedded in this very short, pretty easily memorized creed? And today's portion is very short. I believe in the Holy Ghost. It's deceivingly short, really, because there are so many questions about this third person in the Trinity. Unlike God, who has a robust role in Jewish and Christian history from the one who launched the whole project of the world, the universe, animals, trees, seas, land, and humans, the Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit is vague and effusive. And it is not like Jesus, the second one in the Trinity, who came to walk among us, wipe tears and warn tyrants, He was a bridge to God, God made human. The Holy Spirit, yes, the Holy Ghost, is the unseen mover, the one who sometimes plunges us into the depths. It is a presence, not a person. And there are many expressions of this third person of the Trinity. Is it a Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit? Is it wind? Is it fire, as we see at Pentecost? Is it comfort, breath, unpredictable, infusing? On the one hand, the spirit is a warm bath, and on the other hand, it is a polar plunge, a holy wake-up call. We tend to be thinking Christians as Presbyterians. Many of us prefer the rational, the factual, the decent and in order and thereby we may feel in the dark with our understanding of the Holy Spirit. And you know what? We're not alone. We may find ourselves as puzzled as the man named Nicodemus. Having heard this scripture read today, we all may realize that we kind of get who Nicodemus is. He's the one who has his walls sagging under the weight of his diplomas. He asks a million questions. He is the sought-after keynote speaker with the roll of the tongue and the politician's hair. He's a natural leader, the spiritually open and curious type. And yes, very rational. 
There are Nicodemus types in church leadership positions, not only lay people, but clergy. And we may even come face to face with the Nick types in our families and among our closest friends. And Nicodemus may be you and may be me. In the case of the one we just read about in the Bible, he's so interested and curious about this itinerant rabbi who's making waves in the area that he decides to pay a call on Jesus. He wants to get a closer view on what he, where he's coming from, and so it begins at night. They may hear the snapping of twigs and then see a leader of the synagogue coming up the path. And we can imagine that Nicodemus sees Jesus with his disciples and he asks if he can have a private word with him. Anyone observing can see that Nicodemus is uncomfortable approaching this rabbi Jesus. It probably is not a surprise that he comes under the cloak of night. He may not want to tarnish his reputation by an encounter in the light of day. After all, he's a teacher of Israel a scholar, a leader, a theologian, brilliant. And so, as any scholar does, they seek out their, those who are in their intellectual league. And Nicodemus knows the rules of engagement. He heard of Jesus' work and begins by paying him a compliment. Rabbi, I know you're a teacher who has come from God. Yes, there's no way you could do the signs that we've seen or heard about unless you had a direct line. And it's clear that Nicodemus thinks that faith comes from evidence by seeing what has happened and drawing logical conclusions. His engagement is tightly constructed, airtight, as a matter of fact. No spirit, no wind, no gale can penetrate his mental acrobatics. Sure, Nicodemus can appreciate what Jesus does. He can marvel at the miracles. He can see that Jesus heals and casts out demons and turns water into wine. What Nicodemus does not recognize is that the one he is encountering in that moment is gonna ask that he throw caution to the wind. And it becomes quickly evident that Nick is so caught in his own landlocked reality that he can't set sail out of it to allow the gift of God's new creation to take hold. Jesus cuts to the chase. Though it may look like the works that arise from Jesus come in the alignment of good practice and a dash of God, the stark and stunning truth is that the only path to faith is to be all in. And by that, what Jesus means is that you have to be born anew, again, from above. Everything, he means everything, is reordered, infused with the God genes. Jesus likely looked Nick square in the eye and said, this is about fresh air, the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit blowing afresh through your weary bones. And Nicodemus cannot seem to set aside his airtight structures to let it in. He may have even smirked a little or rolled his eyes when he thought Jesus wasn't looking. 
Really, am I to go back into my mother's womb and be pushed out again? He may have thought that this conversation was a waste of time, but Jesus complicates it further. The way home, the way to God's light and God's joy, God's maternity ward is through water and the Spirit. Yes, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. And even with his vast degrees, his intellectual acumen, all the hours of poring over those jots and tittles of scripture, Nicodemus is still in the dark. And the last thing we hear in this dialogue with Jesus is Nicodemus muttering, how can this be? He waits and then he actually evaporates from the scene. What holds him back? What holds us back? What holds the church back? Where is the spirit at work in our midst? Well, as I said earlier, the Holy Spirit has many expressions, many biblical terms. As a matter of fact, it is expressed through wind and fire. It is the comforter, the breath, unpredictable, infusing. And in this passage, the Spirit is understood by Jesus to be the wind, the breath of God that blows where it will. This Spirit, as Amy Platigan Powell says, is on the loose in the world in surprising and disruptive ways, transcending human understanding and control. No human rules or traditions can contain the Spirit like fire, the spirit is powerful and unpredictable, bringing light and warmth to cold and dark places. But what tends to happen is that in times of great transition or times that we can't see forward, we tend to batten down the hatches. We want, like Nicodemus, to make everything predictable, to control the outcome, to see things in literalistic ways, and dismiss the rich upending of our assumptions. And in so doing, we stand with Nicodemus, waiting for a breakthrough, but so bound by our own world of our own making that we cannot see what could just be afoot. And this must have been the point at which Jesus looked at Nicodemus in the eye and with every ounce of convicting power leveled the challenge, you've got to be born again. Look me in the eye, Jesus may have said. I'm here from God because things are in pretty rough shape in this end of the universe. And I'm here to let you know that you don't have to sneak around in the dark, but you can come to life. Yes, life. The generative power of the Spirit swoops in, not because it's so maverick, but because it's so formative. Someone has called the Spirit the wild child of the Godhead. And I can certainly say that our friend Nicodemus struggled to step up to that beat. I don't get a wild child vibe from Mr. Stuffy. And there are certainly times when I wouldn't even be set to march to the beat of that. 
And yet it's important to turn the mirror around on ourselves because there are many moments, especially this one in our life together as a congregation here at Forth, that we may want to clutch on to any semblance of certainty, any absolute, some platitude or some authority figure that we think will make it all the way we think it should be. Indeed, right now in the life of this community, I realize that we may just default to what is known and familiar and certain and absolute, and at some level that may get us through the next few weeks, but in time, trust me, the probability of God's awakening, wind-swept, astonishing promise will call us with a fresh voice and ask us to be born anew in the Spirit of God. It will arise from the very foundation of this church and take us to places we never imagined. And this may make us habitually restless to listen in new ways, to be swept away by the most astonishing promise that God can give us, and that is to go with God in the Spirit. Can you imagine what it would be like if each and every one of us would be all in Daring to be a new creation in God, to be born with the Spirit's power, to be born of God's Holy Spirit? Do we affirm our faith in the creed's words, I believe in the Holy Ghost? For some reason, when I was writing this sermon, C.S. Lewis's book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, came to mind. You may remember the story where four children find their way into a magical land called Narnia, ruled by an oppressive queen, the White Witch, who forces all of Narnia to live in an eternal winter. Well, near the beginning of the book, the children wandering through the woods looking for a friend stumble upon movement in the snow and go closer, wondering what it might be. Whatever it is, says Peter, the eldest boy, it's dodging us. It's something that doesn't want to be seen. It's a kind of animal, says Susan, the eldest girl. And then it appears behind a tree. The animal puts its paw against its mouth, signaling for them to be quiet, and then it disappears again. And the children eventually find themselves taken in by what turns out by what turns out to be a talking beaver whose name is, well, Beaver. Beaver tells them many things about Narnia and the White Witch, including telling them about Aslan, the lion, Narnia's hope, Aslan. Early on in the book, though we don't learn much about the character of Aslan himself, except what Beaver shares with the children on that cold night, but despite all the evidence to the contrary, Beaver tells them, he says, they say Aslan is on the move, perhaps has already landed. And when he says it, a very curious thing happened. None of the children knew who Aslan was any more than you or I do, but the moment Beaver had spoken those words, everybody felt quite different because it had sometimes happened to you in a dream that someone says something that you don't understand, 
But in that dream, it feels as if something had enormous meaning, either a terrifying one that turns the whole thing into a nightmare, or else a lovely meaning, too lovely to put into words, which makes the dream so beautiful that you remember it all your life and are wishing you could go back to that dream again. It was like that now. As the name Aslan was spoken, each of the children felt something jump inside. My friends, the Holy Spirit is not just a jump. It is a jump start. And when that Spirit of God shows up in all that rails against uncertainty, all that shakes us to the quick, all that asks for our assent, takes hold of us, births us anew, and infuses us with the very power of love, the Spirit is here. Yes, the deep and pervasive power of love bids us welcome, bids our feeble hearts to come home by the power of the Holy Spirit, and that means to be in, all in, all the time. Think of your own life. What has such a grip of possibility on you that it won't let up? What would happen if you allowed yourself to let that wave of such awakening crash over you? And what about this congregation? Are we all in? Is the grip of the Holy Spirit's fire, the wild child spirit, asking us to let go and let God, yes, truly let go and receive such power that we never imagined? I am so convinced that the Spirit is on the move. God is ready to work in our lives, both individually and as this faith community. Do you feel it? Do you see it? Like Jesus' invitation in Nicodemus, there is much, yes, much to come. So get ready. Thanks and glory be to God. Amen.
friends, let us affirm what we believe using these words from the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Friends, amidst the promise and the peril of our world, there is no better place that we can be than in the house of the Lord to gather up our joys and concerns and bring them before our loving God. So together, let us join in prayer. Holy One, it was your spirit that brought order to chaos, that launched the flaming stars from the void, that nudged all creatures and we, your people, to seek and know your face. And it is that same spirit, O oh Lord, that animates us this day. For such steadfast love as this, we offer you all thanks and praise. Spirit who breathes life, who awakens dry bones, we praise you for the way in which you quicken our senses to embrace spring rains, tulips, and geraniums. We celebrate how you renew the very face of the earth season after season, hoping that you might inspire in us the desire to do the same. We thank you for awakening us to the joy of seeing young ones in their rites of passage, proms and plays, graduations, and new beginnings that punctuate this time of year, even as we pray for those young ones whose innocence is threatened and their growth cut short by the menace of poverty and violence. O oh, great advocate, the promised counsel and aid of those who wait and struggle, we ask that you would comfort those who are sick and ailing this day, those whose minds may be filled with all manner of anxiety, soothe them. Those whose hearts are heavy with grief and loss, let your peace settle upon them. Those who stand in the breach between injustice and its would-be victims, sustain them in their faithfulness, their adherence to your way, truth, and life. Spirit of change, we pray that you might disrupt every pattern of prejudice and corruption, malice and greed that might prevail in our lives and in our public life. 
as we in Chicago welcome a new mayoral administration, enable all of our leaders to be guided by wisdom that comes from listening to all of our city's people, that the whole community might flourish. And let that flourishing not only be upon us here, but peoples across the country and the globe that hunger for better days from our siblings, brothers and sisters in Cuba, to those who are fleeing deprivations in Central America, to those in Ukraine and Myanmar and Israel and Palestine seeking freedom and peace and the dignity of knowing that they are created fully in God's image. Though adversity abounds, we know that through your spirit, all things are possible. Spirit of illumination, opening up for us the power of sacred scripture. Breathe new life into your church across time and space. Give us strength to partner with people of goodwill to share any abundance that we have been given, to spare no expense in the pursuit of your promises for all creation. And spirit of faithfulness, who never leaves, abandons, or forsakes us, help us to remember that we do not walk the path to your future alone. We give thanks for every model who has shown us the way Though we may no longer hear their voice or gaze upon their face, we nevertheless feel the legacy that they entrust to us, even as we entrust these fervent prayers to your loving care. Praying as our risen Lord taught us, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As Pastor Lucy reminded us, in her message, the spirit is indeed still on the move. Can we catch its vision? Can we join in its efforts near and far? If we are to believe what Jesus says to the church, the answer must be yes. And there is no clear evidence that the spirit is on the move then in the life we live together as Fourth Church and Chicago Lights and our partners around the city, the country, and the globe. Because we are a community of faith ministering to and empowering others seven days a week as we worship together, break bread, learn, serve, and grow across many of our society's differences. So remembering that we are tethered to the Spirit let us be all in and give cheerfully and joyfully to these ministries. Your morning offering will now be received.
let us join together in our prayer of dedication. Blessed Creator, we know you have made all things new in Christ Jesus. We thank you for the renewal you bring into our lives. Our hands were empty and you filled them. Our bodies hungered and you fed them. Accept these offerings, our sacrifice of praise to you. Let what we have given reflect your compassion and care. Amen.
receive now the benediction. Go forth into this world in peace. Be of good courage. Hold fast to the good. Do not give evil to anyone. Support the weak. Uphold the faint of heart. And may the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Mother, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, rest and abide with you and those you love this day and forevermore. Thanks and glory be to God. Amen.